Patriot power. You're in the dog zone for an hour. Come on. You know the number. Welcome to the Dog Zone 9000, the official podcast of 1900 Hot Dog, America's last comedy website. I'm Flamehead Robert Brockway, and with me is Karate Head Sean Baby. Call me Booger Pud. I always do, and uh, I'm just glad we finally have a reason for it. And oh shit, it's the head with a gun, Max Booth. It's me. Hello. <laughs> that was Max frightening. The, yeah, it's terrifying to see just a head with a gun in its teeth. Max is the author of books like Touch the Night, We Need to Do Something, and Maggots Screaming. Thank you guys for having me on. This is, um, I have never seen this movie. I didn't even know it existed until a month ago, and I am excited to talk about it. Same. Well, is there anything you want to plug before we get started? Yeah, um, right now I have a Kickstarter going on for my press, uh, Ghoulish Books. We'll uh, filling all of the books we'll publishing this year as one big like a uh, pre-order bundle package. So if you go to Kickstarter and type in Ghoulish Books, you can find it. Lots of fun, spooky books, um, witches, zombies. Uh, no shrunken head fiction, sadly, but I'll fix oh, that no. in the future. Yeah, fix that. Yeah, yeah, you just got your inspiration. Yeah, perhaps the two of you could co-write a shrunken head novelization, and I will put that out. I got a pitch. Very problematic plot, followed by very problematic things. <laughs> very problematic execution. We are, of course, talking, of course, talking about the classic Shrunken Heads from 1994. Uh, it's a full moon entertainment movie, uh, which means it rules. That's what yeah. that means. They did Puppet Master and Trancers. And so the bar has oh, to be man. very high for this to be like notably weird from full moon. And it fucking is. Holy shit. It is it's so high and they clear it. They fly right over it. I actually uh, really like full moon movies kind of sincerely. Like me they, too. they have these very, very dumb ideas and then they execute them like way better than they should have. And uh, I feel like 20 years later, like Sharknado, that type of movie, the vibes are a little wrong for me. But like a full moon movie, you're like, this looks really expensive, like terrible and stupid, but like so sincere and... Like th this movie cost $800,000 and uh, this isn't really my area of expertise, but it seems like more expensive than that. It looks more expensive than that. Yeah. For the time and considering it's full moon, it looks amazing. Like it looks like it has a budget for, again, for the time for what it is, but it's like, it's like doll man levels up in here. <laughs> well, I think it's the, the company's first theatrical movie too. Until then, nothing had gone to the theater. So they probably, like hit the gas in this one and put everything they had into it. Yeah, this was their shot. This was their shot and how they landed on the script and idea for <laughs> Shrunken Heads as their shot is fucking astonishing. I have no idea how that happened. I wish I had that ins inside information for you. I, I don't. I It must not exist. Somebody I just can't, came in and said Shrunken Heads and that was it. Like, I can't imagine pursuing this as like a party conversation. If someone said, hey, what if there's a movie that struck in heads of it? This conversation's fucking over. Get out of here. <laughs> well, the guy who wrote it, Matthew Bright, he also wrote a movie I know you guys must know about called Tiptoes. Oh, God, yes. I've heard about it. I've never seen it. I've, of course, heard about it. And Gary Oldman in the role of a lifetime. 
<laughs> so once I realized that he wrote that movie and also Freeway with a uh, Reese Riddlespoon, no, that, um, that made a lot of sense that he also wrote Shrunken Heads. See, I still think this is his weird one. <laughs> like, admittedly, I've never seen Tip Toes. Weird. Like, if if the listeners don't know, it's uh, Gary Oldman plays a little person in a movie about little people, and if I remember, Matthew McConaughey is his older brother, and uh, Peter Dinklage is in it, and he plays a French person, and he d- makes a lot of very bold acting decisions uh, with his French accent. <laughs> Uh, and the writing is very like someone didn't know much about French culture. So like he like falls off a table and instead of saying something funny or weird, he goes, I wish I had that crap. (laughs) 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 I think that's what I took away from. Oh shit. So this is that really, that really happened. That's a real line. I believe I oh, I 100% believed you. Okay. There was no need to clarify. Why why wouldn't that happen? I believe that happens in reality. I think people are overwriting <laughs> yep. their French characters and should just yep. <laughs> like in French that. traffic you could just hear that coming from every car. I wish I had that grip. Uh this was directed by Richard Elfman, uh Danny Elfman's failed brother. Uh I I feel mean saying that, but I watched that uh behind the scenes documentary. And he just, he knows that there's a section where he talks about like how he had to get Danny Elfman to do the main theme for shrunken heads. And you see him just go completely dead behind the eyes. He's a really animated guy. And then as soon as he has to talk about asking for a favor from his famous brother, he's like, yeah, it was really great of him to do that. It just really, that was the last favor I could ever call in. I really, I think it's heads. I think it's okay to bag on this man because I was looking up some reviews from like a decade ago and one pointed out how funny it was that back when IMDB had like a message build going on, Elfman kept going on and uh, defending his movie in the comments <laughs> and also defending Scientology. Oh, oh shit. <laughs> oh God. Just both. Like you might, he just needed to come in there and be like, these guys aren't giving it to me as hard as I deserve. I need to let them know it's okay. I need to let them know it's okay to just pile on me. He cast his own son in this film. He cast his whole Booger family and yes. did, uh, had him do a full frontal scene. That's so that's something. <laughs> uh, yeah. Booger is Bodie Elfman, his son. One of the stunt doubles is his very young son. Uh, Louis Elfman, who had another acting role in a movie I'm going to watch next and will probably be on the podcast called Modern Vampires, where he plays the role of Paint Huffer. That's his big that was his big break was Paint Huffer in Modern Vampires. Uh, He also put his grandparents in. They were the old people like halfway through. It's just uh, this is an Elfman family affair. It's stranger than that. It's the two. It's the old couple on the, the steps complaining about the smell the woman is his grandma but the man is his dad oh that's right that was a really weird call but then they are playing a couple it's not a it's not a woman and her son i'm pretty sure yeah (laughs) so we had them that was so he says dad i I want you in my movie you'll have a lover it will be your mother (laughs) is that can you sell that father And, and he also had to call danny and be like hey superstar brother i need you to the producers asked me if I would ask you. It's okay if you say no, but like it might cost me my job. You need to do the music. It, uh, Fine. It is good though. Like you hear the music, you're like, oh shit, this is a Danny Elfman song. Like, this is very. Yeah, like instantly you know that this is a Danny Elfman song. You're like, oh, is he going to do the whole. No, he is not going to do the whole score. He is here for one song, and that's his favor. 
And the rest of the music sounds like La La Land. Yes. <laughs> the rest of the music is not <laughs> is not nearly that good. So you just it's instantly like a fun know. Pop, like, it's like the mannequin soundtrack. Like it's it's like wedding music. <laughs> we have so much jazz music throughout, and the sets look so clean, the way everybody acts. I was surprised it didn't break out into an actual musical. It does <laughs> have true. that like musical vibe to it where they're clearly just on on somebody's meticulous yes. back lot a very undressed movie set any town usa all right let's get into the actual movie which i watched on tubi and uh there were no captions which is how they say deaf people you're good you can skip this one you can just <laughs> you're good you don't need to watch this uh it is about tommy your standard boring good kid uh his fat and therefore hilarious friend bill uh, that's all the comedy you need in this movie, really. And their black and asthmatic nerd friend, Freddie, and Sally, who is a girl. And that is her personality trait for the film. Uh, that's perfectly summed up. I have nothing to add. That's, <laughs> that's ex- almost exactly what my notes say. It's just, you couldn't get more like cookie cutter characters. And then I watched, again, I watched this documentary about at the end of the movie. It came with the original VHS and the first thing is is Richard Elfman popping up and saying, I wanted to make a movie with cookie cutter characters. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think he said that after everyone told him they were cookie cutter characters? He said, oh, that's totally intentional. Totally meant to do that. Uh, and I, it's I liked how uh, Freddie, the, the nerd, didn't know who Green Lantern was. Like, like there's a lot of stuff like that that just kind of gnaws at your sense of, of reality where you're like, I don't understand their world. Like there seems to be a lot of danger, but also it's very cartoonish. It seems to be a kid's movie, but it's also clearly like uh, uh, an adult horror film. Uh, so it's, it's hard to get, it's hard to yeah. get an understanding. It's, it's like the shine. It's very much like the shining. In Just way. keeping you intentionally uneasy I mean that, with like weird that artistic level is what I'm trying to say. It's, <laughs> it's this and the shining, I think should be the most analyzed films. It definitely takes place in the in the modern day, in the mid '90s. Uh, it's filmed on a 1940s studio backlot, and they act like the little rascals everywhere they go. Like they have a, a pallet crate fort, and like nobody has TV or video games or anything. Everybody's just reading comic books, but all the comic books are modern comic books from the '90s. So it's either right. too much thought was put into like I want to make this a special world, like Streets of Fire. Or more likely, they just went with whatever set they could get and didn't fucking bother. Right. You know how you could tell it's the 90s is the girl, uh, the 15-year-old girl wears a sports bra for a top at every scene. That's, that's a very 90s thing. You know, how you, can, you know how you can tell it's the 90s is because this was the last time we were like, yeah, that's okay. Yeah, that's fine. The that's Alyssa fine. Milano collection of tops. So the new, the nerd collection now, uh, Tommy, Bill, and Freddie uh, go to the newsstand for comics where they meet a magical n- newsie. Yeah. Newsy. They meet a magical newsie, and his name is Mr. Sumatra. That can't be right. Hold on. <laughs> oh, that's I right. They looked at a map of Haiti, and they're like, oh, hey, uh, let's call him that. Because that's the name of uh, the lake, the big lake in Haiti. Yeah, it's. It, I think that's what they did for everything, and it becomes a problem so quickly. It becomes a major problem very, very quickly. It's like naming <laughs> someone Mississippi. <laughs> <laughs> which you would do to a black man, which totally yeah. scans in the 90s. You would just name a black character Mississippi. Be like, yep, there you go. My notes just say, oh no. Like <laughs> as soon as he comes on and opens his mouth, I'm like, oh yep. no. He's, yeah. uh, 
he says he's a former cop, uh, but he makes it very clear he was a voodoo cop. And uh, <laughs> he's, a, he's a former voodoo policeman. And uh, this is this is the first of a few notably disturbing moments. What 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 was his last job specifically? Uh, it wasn't Voodoo Cop. It was Voodoo Cop for the oh, Tauntaun Makut. That's yes, right, the Tauntaun Makut. Uh, I did not Google that. Is that uh, a real thing? Oh, I'm so glad to tell you about the Tauntaun Makut. No, I'm not. It's horrible. <laughs> the Tauntaun Makut were basically the most famous evil military police force in the world oh no uh they were they also we'll get to this later is it weird that i think it's better it's real and not just some random like uh patois they made up uh let me let me let me run you through it and then you can say whether or not this is good you can you can save your assessment of good for the end the tauntaun lacoute were uh personal enforcers for papa doc and later baby doc duvalier who were horrible fascist dictators uh, they were notorious for pulling random people off the street and hanging them and burning them alive. They killed something like 50,000 uh, innocent Haitians just over the course of, of doing their job, often with machetes, which they, uh, which they wielded as part of their uniform. And uh, one, of their, one of their flagship moves of terror was just serial rape, was just mass scale serial rape. And uh, this movie proudly, very proudly, lists their one black character as a former Tauntaun Makut. And he's a good guy. He's not only a good guy, he's like one of the main characters. And the Tauntaun Makut will only be referred to as though they are fucking sweet ass super cops from here on out. I would like to make the, the text of the film says he's the good guy, but I think we might point out that he's not. I think we might argue with that, that uh, this is not a hero character. He, he does behave as though he was from the Tauntaun Makut, but the film doesn't seem to know that. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. Like, uh, they're not on the same page, the, the, the characters in the script. Uh, so do we think the, the guy who wrote this even knew what that meant? Or did he just, like, read that at some point in a magazine and go, yeah, that sounds cool. I'll just add it. Yeah, I feel like it's 1994. He probably wrote it earlier uh, yeah, there's no internet. He didn't have the internet. There's, you could you could have giant blind spots of just like yeah, talked about not- this so many times, but it's always true. Like before, I want to say 1998, there there was maybe some sort of internet. You could probably go to a library, but nobody fucking did that. So you could just say the attitude was, I can do what I can put whatever in a screenplay in a book. Just sure. you know, make it up. Who's gonna check? It's so hard to check that <laughs> nobody's gonna do it. And I think he looked up maybe three things, hence him being named Mr. Sumatra. <laughs> and he's like, nobody will know that. And then he's Tauntaun Makut. Those are, it says here in, uh, in this Encyclopedia Britannica that those are the uh, police force. Not going to read the rest of this entry. Got what I needed. I think, let's name him Trinidad Voodoo Tobago. <laughs> you know, Sean, baby, you were joking about this being close to The Shining, but uh, this guy is basically Scatman Crothers. Yes, he is poor man Scatman Crothers. Uh, Very much like so. Scatman Crothers, uh, he delivers lines in such a, like, a musical way and uh, such a cool cool actor and then this guy he if they give him more than like four words he fucking flubs at least 40 percent. 
And so I loved how it's like very George Lucasy these lines where he'll have to come out and say like, "I will take you to the." I shouldn't do his voice, but like he has these long, elaborate like like scientific explanations for the magic he's doing, and he's just he can't remember all that shit, and so he's just falling all over himself. I love it. Uh, I do want to talk about the the local gang called the Vipers. Yep, they show up next. Let's talk yeah. about the Vipers. They're like a '50s greasers greaser gang, of course, and they're just like open criminals, like broad daylight running protection rackets on like some random asthmatic kid on a bike. And um, a guy gets out of a truck with a pipe, like an adult maniac is going to kill them with a pipe. And they're, they have no idea they're in danger. Like I just can't get a handle on, on who thinks they're about to die in this movie. Uh, So they go from like a near pipe fight to the death with a, with a strange man to like making fun of the kids for being nerds. They're like, Oh, you're fucking reading comic books. We're high school bullies. Now you're like, what? no, 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 you're, you guys run a protection racket. Uh, and then this is when we meet Mr. Sumatra who like tells them to go away. And uh, yeah, they ask him tells- what they should do. And he says, yes. in my day, I'd report them to the Tauntaun Makut execution squad. <laughs> and they're like, Holy shit, Mr. Sumatra. <laughs> is that an option? <laughs> Newsstand guy. Guy who sells us jelly beans? Uh, oh, those, so, those are cocaine children. So Vinny, the leader of the Vipers, is also, his girlfriend is Sally, who is definitely supposed to be the same age as the rest of these nerds, which would appear to be, they say in the movie at one point that she's 15, although this part of the movie, this first half, takes place earlier, so she's actually 14 and looks 13, and she's in a relationship with the leader of the gang, Vinny, who appears to be, I want to say, 32? <laughs> and uh, yeah. no comment about anybody, of course, on this. So uh, pretty authentically 90s, I think. Yeah, she's she's definitely still in high school. And he yeah. is like a crime lieutenant in a in a in a crime town. Uh, Mr. Sumatra then gets some, some sort of revenge for the boys. But this serves to just establish that voodoo is very much real. He blows like dust out of a jar and it causes Vinny's car to crash. Yeah. So right away, we're like, OK. Voodoo is powering this movie. What? A, uh, what is the logic with the the dust? Does it possess <laughs> the vehicle? What is happening? Car crash yeah, dust. Magic dust. <laughs> There's a, a moment where, uh, like, Mr. Sumatra knows this girl Sally. Like everybody in this town knows you. There's only ten people living in this town, and the way he says, he goes like, "Sally, are those boys bothering?" Asking him to do his voice. Doing the voice again. <laughs> <laughs> and he has these crazy eyes, like. Any child would run from this fucking guy. <laughs> and then he pulls out these cremated ashes from a milk bottle and blows them into the street. And it's just it's just so much madness piled on top of itself. Uh, and again, Sally doesn't care. She's like, oh, thanks for crashing that car with your magic dust. or your That contains my whatever. boyfriend, who I still like. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and it's clearly like their mom's car. Uh, and that's like the end of that whole thing, right? And then Sally goes to our hero's house and climbs up this fire escape. And then they make out. So like the movie's over, the hero won. The, the villains have like had their car destroyed by the magic voodoo guy. And and Tommy, who has displayed no personality so far, not even one trait, is just run over. Like she climbs that fire escape and is like, we're fucking making out, you idiot. And just, <laughs> get it. just powerhouses it. that kid. Like, I got it. Just, I gotta say, Tommy looks even younger than she does. He looks like he's yeah. eight, and I was really uncomfortable watching this extremely long scene. 
There's uh-huh. no part of this movie that fits together with any other part. Like, ages don't match up. Characters aren't there. The towns, the times. It's just a, a jigsaw slapped together of crazy things. Again, it, for what it is, it manages to look pretty good. And that's a right. pretty substantial budget. So I have to assume these are either deliberate, Kubrick-style, psychologically unsettled viewer choices, or they're fucking crazy. It's just fucking crazy. <laughs> well, with that makeout scene in mind, um, in the documentary that we watched, uh, Elfman kept like emphasizing how good he is with kids. It was um, pretty. Uh, it's not a great, not a great thing <laughs> like to say. That. Yeah. What, what I want to point out is that uh, this is probably a union set, like it's a professional production, which means that they went by union rules and these children under the age of 18 when they're doing the sex style stuff uh, had their parents there. So like their parents were watching them probably have their first kiss in front of this film crew. She Uh, does say it was her first on screen kiss. I'm I'm assuming that was Tommy's first and only kiss. They're 14 and uh, attractive. They're hot. These kids are so hot. So I I mean, they probably kissed before, but like, I'm just saying, can you, I can do that in the voice you're not allowed to do. (laughs) (laughs) Let me do it in the voodoo cop voice. Okay. From the top. Uh, So this makeout session is cut short by the nerds plan. And the nerds plan is to get the bullies to murder them. (laughs) Just that's, that's gotta be the plan. It has to be the end goal. So they, they spot the Viper stripping a car and Tom, they radio Tommy to stop his makeout session, and he does, which is the first bad move. And they for the for the walkie talkies, they use their code names, which are Tonton Makut One and Tonton Makut Two. <laughs> In many ways, they deserved to die. That's <laughs> trying to make you lose sympathy for them. It's amazing. It's amazingly effective. Like, oh, okay, yeah. I don't care if you die, but. So his nerd plan is to narc end of plan. He grabs a camera, finds the Vipers committing a crime, calls the cops, and then runs out to show the cops the evidence in front of the Vipers because he hates life and living it. (laughs) And he's taunting them as they get arrested. And they tell him what what happens that they tell him, we'll be out of jail in a few hours and we're going to kill you. They're out of jail in a few hours and they kill them. (laughs) (laughs) I might be skipping ahead a little bit. It's just, I love that they said exactly what they're going to do and then they did it. And then just to the surprise of almost nobody like, Oh yes, that is the next step in what just happened. I love this because it's so stupid, but it has this sort of flawless, fast moving movie logic, like a Disney show. Like, like this isn't how the world works, but it's clearly how this movie is going to work and you can't find any plot holes. You're like, those guys, uh, have a reason to kill him. They said they're going to kill him. They killed him. Yep. They. Uh, I think if the, the, the movie is from their point of view, this is your, just turn the movie off here. It's a job well done. It's a happy ending. <laughs> Fucking killed those kids. Every uh, scene has a little button. Like you can stop this movie at any time. And you're like, that was a fine, well-structured movie. So for the, okay, they're not dead yet. I skipped ahead a little bit. Vinny goes to big Mo for help. She's played by Meg Foster in a huge fat suit in a pompadour. Which is, yeah, from They Live and Master of the Universe. I think they just put giant shoulder pads on her. And I thought um, she's just playing a trans man. And one of the Vipers calls her she with like a laugh, like he misgendered the trans man as a joke. And I thought, wow, this is so weird. But then for the the rest of the movie, they just refer to her as a woman. So she's just like a, just a man, like she's got a mannish like personality 
and a hairdo. I, I, I seriously don't get it. Yeah, she's uh, like, Nick she's Foster, a Nick We want you to play this like a dude. A butch lesbian overweight greaser with a pompadour and a North Face jacket who fucking kicks ass. <laughs> she's great. She's going to kick ass. Because she is having so much fun. They're like, okay, play it up like you're like a like the Fonz. And she's like, oh, hell yes. I'm going to show you double Fonz, triple Fonz. Fucking five more Fonz on top of that. I had such a crush on Meg Foster as a kid. I love her in anything. She she had so much. She was the best part of this movie. But also yeah. just, yeah, I'm, I'll, I'll, I'm down with that. I'm down with Mo. I'm down with any character. North Face jacket, it does it for me. Leave it on. Yeah, she has like a real like fun menace to her. Like she's like, like she's having a good time, but clearly she murders a few people a day. And so when they bring Tommy in, uh, Tommy's like fucking, he still thinks he's in the Hardy Boys movie. He's like, ha ha, me and my detective club got you. And and she's like, oh yeah, put him in the closet and murder them. We're like, what the fuck? She gives him a chance though. She's like, he's like, he comes in like, ha, I'm, you're never going to murder me. I'd like to see you try. I'm a child. And she's like, listen, are you sure? Because I do, I do murder kids. He's like, no, murder me. I demand it. And then they, then they cart him off. But he has a chance to just like, stop doing that well like, they bring they bring in like these sacks of slips what are on these yeah. slips they got like the bookie slips from yeah. their local like uh you know bookie bookie lines and so the kids have this scheme to steal those and no 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 then, tommy has that scheme and the other yeah, kids okay, are like yeah, you're going to get us fucking killed will you stop it <laughs> and and what i love is his idea is all these people will somehow know that the slips got stolen and then they'll say, Hey, yeah, my horse came in first. So you have to give me, you know, five to one on the bet I gave you, which was a million dollars. So they think there's going to be some sort of class action fraud scheme. If they can just move these slips out of the room. And uh, again, in the logic of the movie, this, this is what would happen. So they're like, well, they took the slips. We got to get those fucking slips back. And, um, and then they get, and they gun them down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, then they, they take the slips, absolutely ensuring that they have no other choice but to be murdered. Like, they're not getting away with it. They see them, like, run away. And so, and then it cuts to them the next day. The cuts are so quick here that it's fucking hilarious. It's one of the funniest <laughs> scenes of child murder I've ever seen. But the cuts are so quick that they show them getting away. And then jump cut, you see them, like, on the curb reading comics. Like, yep, that is the end of our adventure. <laughs> jump cut. The gang gets out with shotguns and fucking butchers them. Just blows them away. <laughs> fucking slow pan to a bloody asthma inhaler. Like, <laughs> I did. I did laugh at kids. the see me feel that when Big Mo goes to the main uh, Greasel. I can't think of his name. And she Vinny. Ha- Vinny. And she hands him all these guns, but she keeps like grabbing them from this invisible pocket in a trench coat. <laughs> she has a shotgun, like through three revolvers. I think. Oh, she's just pulling out the. <laughs> She rules. Big Mo's the best. It's yeah. not a fat suit. It's all guns. All guns. <laughs> guns. And then, uh, so yeah, they just leave the kids to die on the, the and, corner of any town USA undressed movie set. And that's the end of the movie. It's the best movie. No, Mr. Yeah, Sumatra. You stop there. You could stop there. It would be a complete story. No, Mr. Sumatra sees some dead white kids and then it shows his face looking like I have an idea. You're like, what the fuck is. <laughs> Wait, no, you can't infer that we're supposed to know what the idea is and you have no inference for this point in the movie. Besides the title. Besides the title. Like, if you were just watching it cold from the story, you're just like, 
wait, what? Why did you get an idea? Why did you get a really good idea from dead white kids, Mr. Sumatra? So he sneaks back into the funeral home where they're being displayed, not the cemetery where like he could do this in private. The funeral home where they're still on display for like want, family to come and see them. I want to. I want to stop right here. I want to go back just a, just two two quick scenes. We did the ten seconds of funeral, but before that, my notes just say Sally and the strange local newsstand owner hugging their bathrobes on the street by the child corpses. I just wanted to say that that's that's yes. that's the notes I took. And You're I, right. I'm I, sorry. I, I skipped that. <laughs> I thought that was very strange that she's like, "Hey, local newsstand owner with the crazy eyes and the voodoo powers." Uh, I know we're in our underpants, but maybe maybe we should hug here by the dead boyfriend of 40 minutes. And by the way, do you have any voodoo for this scenario? Turns out he does. So what are you he sneaks back into the funeral home where they're still on display and bone saws the children's heads off. <laughs> he's the good guy. <laughs> he's, he's the good, the good guy. guy of the he's, film. He's arguably the main character. And then he returns home to throw the heads in his voodoo vat, which is always bubbling, as all Caribbean people, I assume, have. Yeah, I he's a Haiti cop, so he owns a cauldron and a bunch of goat parts. Uh, in 1994, this required no explanations. Viewers would be like, Haiti, say no more. Yeah, they don't even, I don't think they even comment on it. They're just like, yeah, yeah you, yeah, you know, right? I love this because this is where the neighbors, we talked about them earlier, they come and they complain to him about the, the stench from the boiling child corpses. And he's like, oh, yeah, this must be my cat. And he's got like a dead cat that he's like fucking around with. Yes. <laughs> You're like, okay, good. He's got a. This is part of his cover story. But no, he throws it in the pot. He goes, he's like, yes, toss a dead cat in there. He's making voodoo. I don't think he knows what he's doing. This is just a fucking stew. It has to be ad-libbed when he says... Oh, God, I, I really want to do the voice. I'm not going to do the voice. When he says, the doctor of cats predicts he will soon be bursting with health. <laughs> he, also, he also keeps calling his home a condominium, which I think is really funny. <laughs> it's extremely <laughs> funny. It's the funniest I mean, it, thing you could call it. <laughs> That's what it is, I guess. But like, it should be like a voodoo fortress or a cave. But the script is like, oh, fuck it. Let's make it like a little condominium. He has to be with his HOA for the cauldron. My home, uh, even just saying like my flat lends a certain like charm, I guess. Sure. But my condominium, I'm going to retire to my condominium. Damn it, I'm doing the voice. You're doing the voice. It's so hard. Uh, <laughs> so, okay. So the cat goes into the vat. Right. Yes. He's just making a big mess. He, and then he, he has their heads on. He's polishing the tiny heads. He's got these Emperor Ming robes on. And he's like adding his own blood. And it's just like, I... I I worry that if you were a black actor who could do a Patois accent, you filmed this scene several times a week in 1994. So again, <laughs> like, this is just racist shorthand at this point in human history. Uh, but but yeah, the, uh, it's really fucked up. There's like all these close-ups of the child head props and they're just all, there's all this ritual and all these magical things, but then they're just sitting on Folgers cans. <laughs> so like that... that I, I just want to reiterate, I don't think this character knows what he's doing. Obviously, the filmmakers don't know anything about this stuff, but I think the writer is trying to let us know that the character himself is just fucking around. Yeah, I don't think he's made shrunken heads in the past. Right. <laughs> he's following a recipe. He's <laughs> looking off to the book. Now, you think I could just use Folger's cans for this part? It says ceremonial ash. I don't have those. Yeah. I. It, this feels real. <laughs> Got a little dead cat. 
Bones so he's days. summoning the boy's spirits to animate the tiny heads, but the fat one does not want to live. Like they 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 quickly establish <laughs> some some like powers and personality, and they're like, Tommy's gonna get electric powers, and and the Freddy is a little reluctant, but he's trying his best. Bill would rather be dead. He would just rather <laughs> yeah. be dead. He doesn't want to come to clear this is hell on earth. They're like <laughs> your helpless so, heads in the basement of their Green Lantern salesman. So he it's taunts just... him. He taunts him back to life with jo- with jelly beans, which were his favorite snack. But and then right. he puts them. They're called Wizzo jelly beans, and he puts them by his face and says, "Eat the Wizzo." And that's <laughs> that's what that's the voodoo word that gets Bill back, and he immediately asks not to live anymore. He says, you're like, oh, he didn't want to live. And then he comes back and he's like, I don't want to live. Did you not get that? Did you not get that? I wrote down a line. He said, um, I might do the voice a little bit. He says, I have boiled you and I have lovingly dried you. (laughs) I mean, that's what anyone wants. You fucking owe me your life. You little bitch. I fucking dragged your head off. You fucking, you will live and you will like it. I do uh, want to Billy, be his, his exact words were, this is so bad. This is so bad. I'd rather be dead. I wrote that down. <laughs> yep. <as> well. <laughs> he immediately, <laughs> immediately says the thing you don't want him to say. But then they learn they can fly. So now they're right. tiny, shrunken child heads with some with telekinetic powers who can also, they can all fly. And they start zipping around the tiny room. And now they're they're okay again. And God damn it, I'm going to do the voice here in my condominium. <laughs> you, you will be safe. Revenge will be your sustenance. And as your thirst for vengeance grows and blossoms and all traces of your, your humanity begin to vanish, you will find yourself not only able to fly, but to kill. <laughs> so good. Here in my condominium. <laughs> I like how before they started flying, he's like, Oh, you're going to get some powers. Like, I don't know what they're going to be, but they'll, they'll be something. But he's pretty sure it's flight because he does throw them into the air like, like, a, like a baby bird's mother. Like, just come on, figure it out. Just absolute blind luck that they could fly. We, we find out those powers next in a training montage of child shrunken heads, which is fucking great. Yes. Uh, they I, start- I want to say that it's pretty clear there's a problem in this town uh, that, that the police haven't been notified that there's three kid heads missing from the morgue. Like I just yeah, feel like they should have cut to some cops like saying, what the fuck is going on in this town? Even <laughs> if it's just that. But, yeah. We uh, needed the scene of some uh, family member discovering these headless bodies. Yes. Oh, or if, yeah. That. Even just like Sally mentioning like really fucked up what happened to Tommy. Like he didn't deserve that. <laughs> yeah. I would love to see some missing heads postals around the town. <laughs> <laughs> like this would be a way bigger deal than the child murder i think like child murder would make you know third page front page if somebody steals the child's heads from a you know, like that's that's just the mortician yeah. being like look it is once you leave the kid with me it's not my responsibility to keep their head attached i, I will make you a new head but it's going to cost extra and it's fucking so the training montage which is my new favorite new favorite training montage uh, has them stabbing mannequins with knives, biting throats, and shooting lightning. And then we realize, eventually, those are their powers. Uh, Tommy Tommy gets to shoot lightning because he's the main character. Bill bites people. He's a bite expert, which is not a new power for a head. 
He's chubby, so he has eat powers. <laughs> Freddy. Oh, I, I just got that. Yeah, that's why he bites. <laughs> yep. Jesus uh, yes, I, t- I told you at the beginning. I don't fat think you examine the why the black one got a switchblade. I, I don't. <laughs> the black one got a switchblade. I don't. I'm not comfortable talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> he got a switchblade that he carries in his mouth. Uh, <laughs> he got a mouth knife. And he has to carry it like concealed in his mouth so he can't talk until it's time to spit the switchblade out and then carry it in his teeth and stab people as a tiny shrunken head. Tommy is Uh, a fucking Professor X and uh, Electro. Like he has amazing powers. Fat Kid can bite. Yeah, he gets gets all the powers. And then Fat Kid Kid eats and Black Kid has a switchblade. Shrunken head. There's a shrunken head flying around of a black child with a switchblade in his mouth. It's all you really need to know. Yeah. We cut to a year later. <laughs> I don't know why that cracks me up so much that these, these tiny heads needed a year of intensive <laughs> training. It's really unnecessarily. <laughs> yeah. Why would you? Like, it could have been a night or something. For they the- didn't even need it. Like, like, it's all so magical. Like, they could have just come out of the fucking Folgers cans with powers and no one would have cared. But we... I would have loved to see like what type of routine they have now in the house. Like, do they like help make breakfast? What's going on? Yeah, the only difference the we see is now they call the guy Mastral. They say yes, Mastral. Yeah. Now that's the only difference. Totally not comfortable with that. He he called them his children, and they were like, "Yes, Master." But then, like when they're not saying specifically that, they're kind of like normal. They're like joking and sassy. And then when it's time to address Mister Sumatra, they're they're suddenly you know, zombies more, just so many problems added in at every time there's a, an empty space with a shaped, like a problem. They're like, eh, we could put a problem there. <laughs> we slip a problem in there. It's a fucking nightmare. I also wonder how many times he's done this. Like how many, how many of his boy heads are flying around the night right now? <laughs> boy heads. He makes it out like it's his first time, but don't check the closet. He's got 600 boy heads in there. <laughs> All on their own separate quests. It's why we cut to a year later. Uh, so th- I want everyone to be clear that like these are crime fighting heads. Like like he's talking about vengeance, but it's not specific vengeance against this one gang. Like like they're superhero shrunken heads uh, to to just get vengeance on all evil and crime. And so when they go out tonight, they're not they're not going out for specific revenge. They're just like patrolling the city like Spider Man. <laughs> To, yes, to to murder, and apparently it's their like first night, so they needed that year of hardcore training to go out into the night where they just immediately find a mugging and slash the man's throat. Instant. Yes. No, they like he never sees that there's a head. And he's just there. He's mugging somebody, and then he's like spurting blood. It's it's fucking samurai anime style. And then they come back to bite and electrocute and stab a nearby hobo. Who was who? The movie I think forgot to imply was involved in this. <laughs> I see. I thought he was involved, but uh, but you're right. Like I don't know if they had the the training necessary to make that judgment call. To he be was, like, okay, he was standing. This guy. Like here's where blocking comes in because he was standing like thirty feet away and was not in the establishing scene of them mugging her. So then when point. they come back to murder him, it's just like, who the fuck is that guy? But yeah, well, he. Gets, all I'm saying, if I if I was a shrunken head with a with a mouth knife. I would have killed him. But like, again, I have terrible judgment. So I, I don't know. Uh, no body cams on a shrunken head. Got no body. But also what laws are these heads defending? Are they, are they going by the laws mm-hmm. that this super cop used to defend back in Haiti? 
So yeah, they could be. Maybe these people are talking shit about Mr. Sumatra, and he's like, you're my Tauntaun Makut, boys. Uh, they're not having fun, I should point out. like they're, they're, these, It's very robotic when they like tear these two men apart. Uh, like They spent they are... a year training for it. Yes. Like uh, there should be some sort of a joy in being a flying head that uh, like if you were 15 and you're dead, you're like, oh, this sucks. But I am a flying electric head uh, fighting crime. There's a part of this that's awesome. Uh, yeah, it's no. it's it's part of the movie's uncertainty about what exactly it is, because so much of like the setup and pacing it's, it's like a kid's movie. It's like a kid's adventure movie. And you're supposed to think this is a grand adventure for children. Even if there's they're going to turn into shrunken heads or whatever, you're like, okay, now the fun begins. But right. then they're like being drained of their humanity. So it is a horror movie. Right. But they didn't make a horror comedy. They made a horror and a comedy and just veered wildly back and forth between them. <laughs> yes, they're, they're voodoo cop slaves. Uh, but Tommy still has a little bit of life in him. So he goes to his, uh, to watch his ex-girlfriend sleep. Of course. Uh, Cause Tommy's a creep. We knew as soon as we saw him, Tommy is a little creep. Uh, I, I actually booed at the TV. I, I did not like this. He gets right in her face. And my notes say, fuck this. <laughs> uh, he sees the locket that Vinny gave her. So like she went back to dating Vinny, the guy who murdered him. <laughs> right, and, right back to it. And it hits him that, Oh, he can't make this relationship work. And he says, the master was right. There's nothing more for us here in this world other than revenge. So he came there with intentions to like get things going again. He's like, look, I know I'm just a tiny head, but uh, I think I can bring a lot to our relationship. <laughs> but I do have lightning powers. That's yeah. something like maybe they tickle. We won't know until we try. But he's not a locket. And now it's like, okay, no. Back to plan A. Vengeance. <laughs> Mr. Sumatra. Luckily, Mr. Sumatra summons them all back by leaning out of his, I'm going to say, Brooklyn apartment and blowing a ram's horn. To <laughs> <Gosh. laughs> <laughs> summon the back. Like, just somebody's got to lean out the window sorry, and like, shut the fuck up. What did, what did you call it's a, it's a ram's horn, isn't it? No, but what did you call his home? I, his <laughs> condominium. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I called it an apartment. <laughs> it leaks out of his condominium. <laughs> Uh, the, oh, the guys that they killed, they twitch and get up because this movie's fucking crazy. And when the shrunken heads kill someone, they turn into like upright citizen zombies. So they're like picking up litter and like doing like, I don't know, public good. Uh, and there's a little newscast about it. So so the newscast is talking about these these zombies that are doing all this civic good, uh, but they have like low blood, blood pressure. Like Like it's just in the text of the movie that people know about the the upright citizen zombies. It's very strange. I love it. Uh, I love that you're turned into a zombie. If you get killed by the switchblade of the child's yes. head, <laughs> it's not split red by bite or contact or even magical lightning. If he hits you with that switchblade, you turn into a, a fucking nerd. <laughs> <laughs> I love any time they kill someone with that switchblade because the head just looks so funny as it zips on through with the switchblade yes. and slices. Yeah, they like matched the speed perfectly for comedy and nothing else. <laughs> head with they a switchblade no has to be. So the heads will sometimes be like a half an inch tall, sometimes be like a foot tall. If they're moving towards the camera, uh, the atmospheric perspective just like ruins the entire illusion in uh, in violent ways that I think is very funny. I love head with, if nothing else, if I took nothing else from this movie, head with a switchblade <laughs> is my favorite character. I, Almost in any movie. 
<laughs> Except for Herkimer Homolka. Herkimer yeah. Homolka is still better than Headless Switchblade, but only just. Uh, the Vipers next have to rough up Mr. Sumatra because he's not paying protection. They've taken over this entire neighborhood in that year. And they did it by running the meekest goddamn line I've ever seen. Like, they're so shy and worried about it. <laughs> they come up to him with like, Mr. Sumatra, do you yeah, want like it seems pretty safe around here uh you know we did that so if you want to chip in like a little bit and he comes back with i will cut your tongues with bolt cutters and then he gets laser eyes yeah he tells them he's gonna chill their brains to garnish the tongues it's 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 just like four or five steps too far to be a threat and it's just like okay buddy you like you're you're giving me the whole recipe for how you're gonna eat my head like and then he gets the red eyes and they're like Holy shit. And then he sicks his pet child heads on them, which I guess he takes with him to work like yeah. an office dog. <laughs> like a the shotgun under the counter. He's got like a little boy head case. <laughs> he just flips it open. In broad daylight, they just chase him down the street. So we're no longer like, it just, again, they set up these rules of like, you must patrol the night. And then he's like, well, fuck that. I need some boy head action right here. Well, no, that doesn't sound right. And I am out. <laughs> All right. That's it. That was a good podcast, everybody. <laughs> uh, that's an appropriate segue to the, the next scene. So after they chase them off, there's a weirdly erotic uh, shower scene with the director's son playing Booger. And he is yeah. just feeling himself up. Nobody showers like that. Like he learned to shower from a shampoo commercial, I guess. Yeah, but, it's a or maybe like a Cinemax movie. Like the, if you replaced this with Shannon Tweed, you're like, OK, yeah. Yeah, they, but, uh, it's very, it's very yeah, PG thirteen so, R. So you know, weird. recently in the news, uh, nepo babies have been trending, like nepotism babies, <laughs> and I have to imagine this is like the opposite of yeah, that. This is, the opposite. <laughs> this is a sex crime, possibly. <laughs> this is like the scene that you, you take when you get off the bus from Alabama. You're like, God, I just need to get my foot in the door in Hollywood. Like, all right, all right, touch. You can, you can take your titties out in my movie. I'll give you a line. This it's this this is meeting Corey Feldman and the scene he gets you, but it's the director's male son. Uh, <laughs> Force and, forcefully erotic for no yes, reason that pays off because no he is he's dead he's dead already. Yeah. He's just also, a, when they uh, this is actually something they did poorly in the movie when they pull back to watch his throat get slit by the tiny uh, shrunken head, uh, you can see the shorts that he's got on. He's got them pulled down like just to the shaft, and like you can see a, a bit of the shorts in the frame. Yep. He Not does, that uh, I was looking. I just wanted to know if this director actually made his, his own son do full frontal in the film. And he didn't, he didn't, he's got little panties on. No son. Just show some of the shaft. That's it. <laughs> just, just, it's hotter. What they want, son, but like, it's hotter with the little shaft. They don't like to see the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> we have, we have to get Even off the shaft. Uber, he will have his son take the whole tip out. And it's like, come on. Like when Chet Hanks is in a movie, Balls and everything. <laughs> we, I don't even know how to segue away from this. What do we? What do we do? Uh, they they just immediately butcher these uh, these two that tried to shake down Mr. Sumatra, uh, and they reanimate as upright citizen zombies. We find <laughs> we find the friend coming to check on on Booger who's been in the shower. He says for three hours, so he's, and then he pulls back the curtain to reveal Bill, the child, the fat child head just sucking on his neck. So he's just been gently <laughs> sucking on his neck for three hours, I guess. <laughs> I do like how the friend looks in every possible direction except down. 
Right. <laughs> yeah, gotta check. Gotta it's check like, for flying heads. It's like 10 seconds before he finds the body. Yeah, so we really cut to Vinny, who runs into Mr. Sumatra, and he's trying to get some banter going with Sumatra, and Sumatra is just like, you will suffer the torment of hell. He's, to which Vinny says, see you later, Afro Pops. <laughs> That's so weird. It had to have been something like a different line he flubbed. Like, what the fuck could that mean? Uh, I do want to point out that I, we skipped over something that happened during the shower scene. It cut back to Vinny, who's in the car with his. We will never girl. escape this shower scene. Yeah, it's very erotic, and, uh, and he's trying to talk her into losing her virginity in the car, like a well-lit car in the center of the street that everyone's looking at. And uh, he kicks her out, and he says. I hope you get run over, you dumbass little bitch. Like, that's a real quote. <laughs> the punishment in 1994 for not putting out with your adult boyfriend was death. Uh, anyway, that's just in the scene. Okay, so he takes off from Sumatra's newsstand uh, after wishing wishing all the best to his Afro pops <laughs> and finds his fellow vipers zombified and weeding the community garden. Uh, Booger comes around and tells him, like, that, you know, this is awesome. And he opens his mouth. And a bunch of worms fall out, and it's very gross. And I learned from the behind-the-scenes documentary that uh, that Richard Elfman made yes. made his son do this for real. Just filled Amazing. filled his adult son's mouth with worms after making him do a forcefully erotic shower scene for no reason. I'm so uh, glad that that was an odd documentary because I had that in my notes. Like, what's that fucking real? That looked like somebody put real worms in that that was real and it's a close-up on a mouth for that shot so uh it could have been anybody but no it was actually the kid <laughs> he was bitching about it a lot in the documentary he was not happy yeah you get the <laughs> sense that they made him do maybe long takes and multiple takes of it so like maybe he was sucking on these worms for like a good six hours Jesus <laughs> <Christ>. <laughs> it just we know who the favorite son is mm. uh and it's not that one it's whatever son isn't that one it's the also one that been a half an hour, so like you wouldn't have like maggots growing in your mouth in that amount of time. So it's it, it it's also like it functionally breaks the movie. It's a bad scene that uh, that makes no sense. It's jarring in a couple different directions. Is my point. So now it's perfect preparation for the next scene. Let's talk about the graveyard scene. I am confused by this scene. <laughs> really. Really, you're confused confused by this. he has he has a mind beam and he can implant his memories in someone else's head. So Sally and comes to visit Tommy's grave and wishes for him to return, and then he immediately pops up behind her in tiny shrunken head form, <laughs> and she fucking hates it because, of course, she's like, "Hey, right. good news!" She's like, "Fucking holy shit!" And he's like, "No, no, calm down," and uses his green, like said, electro memory beam to show her his complete murder, and then explain the entire movie again as though somebody would be lost. Yeah. I th- so I love about this is you guys are you guys are both writers. You understand that in any movie you don't want to do this. You you like if one character is explaining something to the other character, the viewer already knows. We don't need to recap it for them. But this movie does. This movie's like let's have him explain it to her and wa- we'll watch the whole thing. We're not going to fade away. Uh, yeah, I, it's, I thought it, that was it's a crazy like, decision. A crazy decision. And that, the only but, one. The only one in the scene. And let's move on from the graveyard scene. Wait, no. Tommy says, let me be close to you now to share our last embrace. (sighs) Sally foolishly asks, not why or why won't you get away from me? She asks, well, how do we do that? And then he zips up under her shirt and gives her a final dignified 
tiny shrunken head motorboat and just motorboats her breasts <laughs> before flying wordlessly off into the sunset. <laughs> what? Leaving her confused. My Terrible. notes are all caps for like a hundred words. <laughs> give me all give me all of them. Uh, he goes up her fucking shirt, shrunken head, grope and escape. Fucking what the fucking fuck? Fuck. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's good. That's, about that's right. how he. Uh, that's how Elfman pitched the movie too. <laughs> just a tiny shrunken head, motorboat and titties. They came in and just had a hot girl there, and he motorboated her titties with a little shrunken head, and it's like this is real. I bought this. <laughs> this one used to be a person. Uh, <laughs> let's make a move. Let's make this fucking movie. Uh, so Sally goes to Sumatra's place and just shoves her way into his condominium. And uh, my condominium. A, she's in a lot of danger, I would say. Uh, all we know about this guy is he's very weird. He cuts the heads off kids and he makes weird voodoo soup. Uh, he comes from a, a voodoo cop background uh, for a, a, a war criminals. Uh, but she's just like shoves her way in. And she's like, God damn it, I knew you made all this voodoo shit. Uh, she's not upset about all that so much as like, hey, how come you didn't tell me? that my new boyfriend murdered my ex-boyfriend. Like, you should have let me in on that, you dickhead. Do you have the line he re- responds, the exact line? Oh, I don't, no. <laughs> he says, good and wholesome girls in their teens experience love and feelings in their hearts for evildoers, Sally. Wow. End of line. What doesn't explain why you didn't tell me this, dude? <laughs> all, well, you see, Sally, we all teen girls... All teen girls love murderers? Is that what you really just fucking said? <laughs> yeah, she fucking they love bad boys. They love murderers. She, she tries to explain to him what the, the fat kid tried to explain earlier, that this is cruel. This is terrible people. And he's like, no, 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 no. They're not like real people. Fuck them. They're fucking dead kid heads. They don't have fingers. They're trash. <laughs> it's just, he tries to explain it like it makes it the opposite of cruel, but it's the cruelest <laughs> thing he said. Yeah. It's like, no, see, I don't care about them, so it's not cruel. I don't get what you're not getting. They're like, I don't give a shit. So, but uh, Sally does not believe that Tommy, the Tommy Sheena was truly gone because he motorboated her like they used to do just Uh moments ago. And in fact, let's do that again. Let's let's take it from the top. Let's do that exact entire scene again, but slower and with more detail. So to prove... They got a, uh, hopefully a chest double for this, right? Like they didn't use the little girl for this scene. I think clearly not because I think how they achieved this effect was to get an adult woman with breast implants and then have the actual child nuzzle up against her breast. So I don't think it's better than what you're suggesting, but it's bad in a different way. There's no scene in the documentary where the actress says that was my first on-screen modal boating. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> and i think it went off just perfect to, oh god it is bring, 40 minutes long it is so much it's so troubling it's so detailed to it's all to prove that tommy doesn't disgust her in his tiny disgusting form so she turns away and opens her shirt all the way and lets tiny's tommy head tommy's tiny head in to like creep up her stomach creep up Nestle against the booby, really tuck into the booby. We're seeing all of this. We cut to Mr. Sumatra, who is watching in horror and confusion. <laughs> he says, he says, I'll give you some privacy, which before I was like, okay, maybe this is supposed to be like a motherly, like bosom nuzzle. But then when he says that, I'm like, okay, it's definitely sexual. Like she's going to have sex with a little boy head. 
he does watch it for like 20 minutes before (gasps) saying, I will leave you alone. I've got enough to go turn off. You kids have fun. (laughs) So there are. I should have done the voice for that one. (laughs) (laughs) There are. Two shrunken head motor voting scenes in this movie, and all of them involve children. That's just that's just what happened. And one of them is watched by an old Kabuto cop who's uh who's famous for war crimes. That's yeah. The whole the, it's now a zombie movie for a few minutes because Vinny gets chased out of his home by the Pud and the Booger zombies. And uh, here's another bold and strange choice: is the zombies make a lot of fart noises, like they're releasing gases, I guess. But uh, from now on, the movie is sort of a, a slapstick zombie chase movie with a lot of fart sounds. Uh, the whole city seems to be zombies. I don't think Mr. Sumatra thought this through to, ha- to make little boy zombies that without any judgment or due process can turn anyone into a, an undead creature. Uh, so, well, yeah, anyway. but he seems to have converted most of the city at that point. That's at least yeah. the implication because Vinny is running from all of these zombies who are trying to bring him to Mr. Sumatra. And then Mr. Sumatra has now gotten ready for this final showdown. <laughs> and Sally asks him, we, we cut in on Sally, and she says, is that really the uniform of the Tauntaun Makut? <laughs> and we cut to him, and he's dressed like a jazz pimp. <laughs> he's got blue blockers and a fedora. <laughs> he's got a fedora and a, like a, a nice suit and fucking Blues Brothers glasses. And he says, yes, child, and I wore it proudly. Proud of those war crimes. Just a lot of a lot of lines that like if you wrote that and then two years later the internet became a thing, and you look up and you'd be like, fuck. Oh no. I wrote that. that was he... close. <laughs> just... God, I should have read the rest of that entry in the Encyclopedia Britannica. God, I was he, right there. He pulls out a gun and he asks Sally if she's ready to like fucking kill everybody. She's like, We're gonna do capital punishment Haitian style, is how he puts it. And um and I, I don't know. This is just not at all what we've been led to believe. Like we thought the heads would go take care of it with some sort of voodoo justice, but he's like, no, we're going to go shoot everybody. You want to come with me, kid? They're here for distraction mostly while I murder people with a handgun. And she's like, yeah, all right. But first, a very important question. I know exactly. She has to be careful how she answers. It's a very serious and dire question to ask a child. I'm going to do the voice. Is your maiden head intact? (laughs) God. Uh, I, I got the rest of the quote. I'm also going to do the voice. He says to this little girl, only a female who has never had a male member inside her body can complete the spell. Thank you for having the rest Jesus of the quote. I was going Christ. to do it, but I didn't want to. Yeah, I, I got your back. That's the absolute creepiest way to put it. Like if he would have said to the little girl, like, hey, that little fucking head, get its dick wet. Like that would be better. You can't <laughs> say the build inside to a child. Yeah, it's a male member just, inside of her body. No, like if you showed that clip of that actor to uh, a cop, they would arrest him. They would open fire on sight. They'd be like, "I don't care what the script said for him to say." That guy said that out loud. Do you have the the rest of this this line, or do do I have to do the rest? Please, I want you to do it now. Go into the bedroom and dress in the gown in my closet. <laughs> That's a hard no. Like (laughs) again, that's that's all one line. All of that. Yes, all of that. Is your maidenhead intact? Only a female who has never had a male member inside of her body can complete the spell. Now go into the bedroom and dress in the gown in my closet. You could not get a clear indication that you need to run, or rather that it's already too late and you should have ran. Yeah. 
you've made so many mistakes. Uh, but she does. She comes out in like a flowing, like Clash of the Titans virgin robe, just like I'm a I'm the goddess of the night. Let's fucking go execute this this gang. Voodoo the cop last... jazz pervert. Yes. <laughs> He's like the corpse at the back of a Cuban wedding is what he looks like. like, (laughs) Weekend at Bernie's, the grandpa, into the back of a wedding reception. Uh, That's the uniform of the Tonto Makut. I looked it up just to see, and it's not. (laughs) Nobody's surprised. (laughs) That's amazing. Surprising. It's not. Uh, They wore like denim shirts and big straw hats and machetes. And so it's the opposite of that. They did wear the dark glasses usually, but... uh, that's it. Jazz, they were not. Nope. They were not jazz pimps. So Sally is just sexily strutting around in her her robe, and then uh, Tauntaun Makut guy blows his virgin horn into the night, and then it cuts to a wiggling butt. Like it cuts to Big Mo's girlfriend in like a leotard outfit, just shaking her butt for the camera, and uh, oh, it's so fantastic. Uh, uh, and then the next thing that happens, right, Mr. Sumatra. Shoots his way in. Yeah, he just, uh, he knocks on the door. Someone answers it. He shoots them in the head and they come in uh, and Sally has like a halo of voodoo heads around her head. Like they're flying around and they're like so proud of themselves. And Tommy goes, behold our bitch in chainsaw, Sally. <laughs> like great fucking line. <laughs> 10 out of 10, guys. <laughs> As they make themselves into a spinning lightning blade. I just love that the very first thing you see after they go like, we're on a crusade for justice is that this guy opens the door and they shoot him right in the fucking face. And like, so Sally great. is like, oh, shit. <laughs> but no, she's totally down with rolling it. Rolling with it. Yeah. Uh, so then a big mo just shoots Mr. Sumatra. She's like, uh, Meg Foster's just, this is fucking stupid. We don't have to do all this. She shoots him. Then they just leave with Sally. Uh, they're now sort of a car chase, but not a serious one uh, until they kill a bus of apocalyptic cultists, like as a throwaway gag. Like it cuts to them like it's an airplane bit, like, oh, these guys are going to do something funny. They're like a cult. But no, they just get run off the road, hit the water. They oh, sink. I'm no so, one escapes. I'm so and happy all, Max gets to explain yeah. this to you. All okay. the uh, passengers on the bus were employees of video shops who had won a contest. Oh, my God. To appear Incredible. in the movie. And the cult leader was the director, Richard Elfman. Amazing. Like like a selling himself in the movie to all of these video store employees who won a contest. That's why that scene was there. That's incredible. (laughs) It's so much better than you could guess. I don't know what the contest was, though. The contest was answered this, this, I I was going to say email, but I guess it would be an actual letter. Answer the reply to this letter, put a stamp on something and send it back to me that I want to be in the movie Shrunken Heads. And I don't have to pay you. (laughs) Right. That's an honor for you. Uh, so we're in this high-speed chase with a with a Buick Riviera, which is like a late '70s Riviera. Not a great car for a car chase. Uh, I love it. It's a beautiful car. Speed. <laughs> and Freddie, the little head with the switchblade, uh, gently knifes the tires. This does not work. <laughs> yeah, over the he course keeps of like five cuts. <laughs> over the course of I want to say two minutes, he's holding a switchblade to the tires, which do not pop. And uh, he has no other plan. That's all he does. It's his only power. So <laughs> uh, Big Mo leans out to shoot him. So Bill flies up and suckles gently on her wrist yes. before she explodes him with a shotgun. Again, having done nothing. And then Freddy, seeing this, floats underneath the tire in front of the tire where, where nothing would happen to him. 
and allows himself to be crushed because he, I assume he just realized how useless he is, even as a head. <laughs> yeah. I was astonished because I didn't think they could be killed, but like just instantly defeated the second something hit him. Just one hit point. For Nobody tried. Heads. Yeah. No one, no one thought to shoot them or run them over. I'm like, oh, these are just tiny heads, tiny child uh, heads. Tommy does a lot better in this fight. He goes, uh, he flies up in front of the car. And again, he's just, all he wants is Sally's approval. So he's like, look at me go, Sally. Look at me go. And he shoots through the windshield down Vinny's mouth. <laughs> just like, he lets his rival eat him. But then he electric, electrocutes him uh, esophagus first. And so they watch him slowly choke to death on Haitian magic. And that's how they kill Vinny. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's what he deserves. So Big Mo is going to kill Sally, but Mitzi, uh, her girlfriend, stops Big Mo and turns on her. Tommy, I guess, has passed all the way through Vinny's digestive tract because he's back out now. <laughs> yes. And he electrocutes her. So they retrieve the destroyed heads. Sally is fully on board with this entire premise now. Uh, she loves tiny flying heads and the murders they do. And she just wants her little head friends back. So uh, I guess somewhere <laughs> along the line, she no longer believes it's cruel torture. Like she said, the first time she saw him. I'm not sure what convinced her it's not. The motor building. The motor. You're right. It was no. the second. She said it before the second. After the first yeah. one, which it was just a quick tiny one. face against those titties. But it was that second like... slow, detailed motor boating that really <laughs> brought her around. And then the and then the old voodoo jazz pervert asking her about her maiden head. She was like, "This seems legit. I, yeah, want I like this. This is I'm I'm on board fully. She uh, is totally fine condemning the local criminals to an eternity of torment. Uh, and then Mister Sumatra gives him or gives her the heads. He's like, "Here's this case. Uh, you take care of the heads. So she's given control of them for any sequels or spinoffs to be determined. Uh, still crossing my fingers. It's been whatever." She's not quite 16. Years, 29 years. Not quite 16 and is responsible for the murdered child heads. <laughs> so like that's her life sorted. Some some kids have to go to community college. Learn a trade. <laughs> uh, that's the movie. There's a post-credit scene, which is nuts. I would I never yeah, I, I would never assume a post-credit scene from this movie in this era. Like, why do you think you deserved that? Uh, Full Moon always had a whole bunch of like extra stuff on their VHS tapes. So I guess like they would be the people to really innovate for post credit stuff. I yeah, watched that... this on the, the Roku channel. And as soon as the credits began, it began some the movie. It gave me no chance to see anything. The Tubi let me see all the garbage all the way to the end. That's why we love you, Tubi. You're the best. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that documentary would have been at the end of the tape too. So you would have gotten like a solid three hours of exhaustive yeah. knowledge about shrunken heads and who would do that who would even do that except for us right now <laughs> which we just did we just did what was the uh, post credit scene uh mitzi just comes out later in her life so i guess we've done three time jumps in this movie none of them earned uh to find big mo and Vinny zombified and cleaning graffiti uh forever so and then it like does a power zoom on them while she screams so i guess the lesson is community service is worse than death i guess also like this is weird because earlier he said no i got something special for you i'm not going to turn you into a graffiti cleaning zombie you're going to get something much worse but that's exactly the same thing as he was just front else got. he was talking you know, big yeah he yeah, didn't have another idea 
He had to go back to the voodoo recipe site, but it was all ads and he couldn't get to it. And talking about like, well, my mom made this voodoo recipe first in 1940. He's like, fucking, I don't care. Just tell me a different thing. No, you know what? I'm just going with the one I know. If that's not the, I don't know what the lesson is. I don't know what I learned here. I learned tiny trunken head motorboating, I guess is not my fetish. I'm really happy about that. It's not mine either. Max? I mean, I need to watch it again. (laughs) (laughs) Einstein Hunter Frankfurt Einstein Hunter Frankfurt Unser Podcast genaut Und mit maximalem Schau Doc Frankfurt Podcast Korrekt Ja Der Kraft ist nicht Kraft ist nicht ohne Schick dich in die Hundesau Für eine Stunde Komm schon Du kennst die Nummer been too much violence, too much pain, none here without sin, but I have an honorable compromise. Just walk away, give me your artifacts, hot dog supremes, give me your sexy sci-fi photo shoots, your horrifying secret comics, and the whole untubed sausage compound, and I spare your lives. Just walk away. I will give you safe passage in the wasteland. Just walk away, and there will be an end to the horror. Three Finger Louie, put down your boomerang and go. Aaron Crosston, Adrian H, Aiden Moore, Alpha Scientist Javo, just walk away. Unandy, is your Heathcliff truly worth dying for? Just walk away. Andreas Larson, you could live. You could have children. You could eat them. Just walk away. Armando Nava, Badger, Benjamin Sironin. There are so many dogs in the wasteland. You could pet them all. Just walk away. Bim Tolzer, Brandon Garlock, Brian Saylor, Brianne Whitney. You would be a champion in the Thunderdome. Just walk away. Brockway loves the meat millie. Burrito mouth. Cyril. Rev. Look at this sweet dune buggy Rev. You can have it. Just walk away. Chance McDermott. Look at that sweet dune buggy. You can still catch Rev and take it. Just walk away. Chris Brower. Curious Glare. Dan B. Devin the Rogue Supreme. I know a place with all the dog food you can eat. Just walk away. Dean Costello, Donald Finney, Dr. Awkward, Eric Spalding. My war party is badly in need of gimps. Do you have a gimp resume? Just walk away. Fancy Shark, Jellaho, Greg Cunningham, Hambone, Haraka, you oh. Haraka's already gone. Good job, Haraka. See, he walked away. Javi Penguini. There are two mannequins over that hill. Both girls. You could make them kiss. Just walk away. Hot Fart. Jaber Al Aiden. Jeff Orasky. 
John Dean, your battle wagon is mighty. Everyone respects a radio flyer in the wasteland. Just roll away. John Hector McFarland, John Minkoff, Josh Fabian, Joshua Graves. It would be a shame to destroy that mullet. Just walk away. Josh S. Ken Paisley, if you go, I will give you Joshua Graves' mullet. Just walk away. KNM, M. Jahi Chappelle, Mac Miserable, do you want to be stripped naked and strapped to my war chariot? If not, just walk away. If so, just walk away. We can work it out. Matt Riley, Max Baroy, Michael Lair, Michael Wells, just hop away. I am sorry we ate your leg. You can still hop away. Mickey Lohman, Mike Stiles, Moju, ND, Neil Bailey, the Wasteland Needs Lovers, just walk away. Neil Schaefer, Nick Ralston, Ozzy Olin, have you seen Bartertown? They have pig races there, it's adorable. Just walk away. Patrick Herbst, Rain Vargas, Rhiannon, Sarkovsky, Sean Chase, Spotty reception, you don't have to die like your father. Butt naked and upside down in a catapult. Just walk away. Supernaut, Ted H, Thomas Cavazos, life is precious and the dead cannot whip. They cannot nay nay. Just walk away. Timmy Leahy, Toasty God, Tom Sakula, Tommy, Waylon Russell, we all read your poetry out here. Everyone, we all read it, right? It's like really good. It makes us feel ways about rivers and old broken guitars and stuff. Just walk away. Yosarian, just walk away. We hate to see you leave, but we love to watch you just walk away. I await your answer. You have a full day to decide. You will be safe in the wasteland. Except for you, John McCammon. You're so fucking dead, John McCammon. Oh my god, we... John McCammon. You're, you're fucked, John McCammon. You, you can try to walk away. It will not work. You're so fucking dead.